Despite the loss to the Atlanta Hawks, this was definitely a much more fun and competitive game that the Detroit Pistons put on the floor today. Boyan Bogdanovich is absolutely crazy, but I want to talk about a few decisions and questionable decisions, I should say, at the end of this game that I think lost the Pistons this game. We'll talk about all that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. So, guys, tonight was definitely a much more fun game against the Atlanta Hawks. We can be we can be happy after this loss. Um, compared to how we were and how I was in the last podcast and what we've seen over the last few games, this was a big big step in the right direction. We I had fun watching this game. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, the Pistons were extremely competitive. And Cade had a really nice bounce-back game. Um, so I thought this game, or at least I hope that a lot of you guys enjoyed this game compared to what we had witnessed over the last few games. We really needed this. It was early in the season, but the last few games were just such torture that we needed a good game. And we got a good game here despite having a loss here. A little bit later, I want to talk about Kate Cunningham's extremely just out-of-this-world first half that he had. I want to talk about that a little bit later and some of the other performances that we saw from individual players a little bit later. But I want to first focus on some of the decisions and some of the things that happened down the stretch of this game that I think lost the Pistons. I, I think lost the Pistons the game. And the reason why this, this frustrates me so much is because the Pistons' first 20, 25 games is such a living hell that when you get in positions like this against teams that maybe you shouldn't win against, like, the Hawks are a really good team. They should be in the playoffs. They should be uh, really, uh, who knows? They might be a second round team. Who knows? But they're a much better team than the Pistons. So when you're in a position like this against one of those teams, you need to get one of those wins because you're probably not going to get many of those down the stretch. And there's a very good chance the Pistons could be 20 games in looking at a three and 17 record. So when you get chances like this, that's how you avoid having that bad of a record 20 games in. So this is why it's frustrating me so much what I saw at the end of the game. And the first thing that really frustrated me so Bojan Bogdanovich was lights out in this game, okay? Lights out. He was carrying the Detroit Pistons in this fourth quarter. K did a great job through three quarters. But at the end of the third quarter, he had already played 30 minutes. He was playing a ton of minutes. And the Pist- and not the Pistons, the Hawks put DeJounte Murray on him. And then for the entire fourth quarter, it was just him against DeJounte Murray. In the first half, I thought Stu did a better job of getting his body on some screens and really freed up Cade some, not just uh, Stu, but I saw during get some hard body screens. Heck, I even saw Boyan make some contact on some screens and it was really freeing Cade up. He was not having to go ISO against the best perimeter defender on the Atlanta Hawks. He was getting freed up a lot. And I think that led to um, a lot of his first half success, along with the fact he was really just punishing the Hawks at the rim. Uh, but anyways, I got a little sidetracked there. Cade did his thing for three quarters, but in the fourth quarter, Boyan came and helped him try close the deal for the Pistons. So I'm going to go through this. I want you guys to look at this play-by-play. Three minutes and 40 seconds, Boyan Bogdanovich made three-pointer. The score is 103 to 109. Boyan Bogdanovich, 216, made three-pointer. 
Boyan Bogdanovich, 123, made three-pointer and one. So he hit from, from 100 to 109. Boyan Bogdanovich has hit three, three, and three, plus one. So he scored 10 straight points for the Detroit Pistons in a two-minute span. In a two-minute span, Boyan scored 10 points for the Detroit Pistons, and they were down at one point eight points. And then at the end of his hot streak, he was down, they were down one point. You think that with a guy burning hot like that and carrying you to the finish line, they clearly can't handle him coming off these screens. His pump fakes, he's using them to absolute perfection and freeing himself up. Boyan was absolutely excellent tonight. Excellent. You think at that point, that would be what you do. You go to Boyan and you let him close this game, or you at least try to get the attention that's focused on him since he just scored 10 straight against them. I'm sure their eyes are on him. You at least use him. If you're not going to go to him to score, you at least use him to create something else because the defense is going to have their eyes on him. Instead, we got none of that. The next possession. The immediate next possession after Boyan Bogdanovich hits an and one three is a Sadiq Bay isolation. So, Boyan Bogdanovich scored 10 straight points in with under three minutes left in this game to cut the lead to one. And the very next possession after he hits an and one three, you isolate Sadiq Bay. Isolate Sadiq Bay. Not you don't isolate heck, even isolating Cade would be dumb against DeJounte, but not Cade. It's not like you isolate Jaden Ivey or Cade. Heck, even Boyan. No, you went down after Boyan scored 10 straight. You isolated Sadiq Bay in the corner. Not he it was like he had to, he was at the top of the key. He go left or right. He isolated in the corner. And that wasn't, I don't think it was a, it wasn't a design play. Cade kicked out to Sadiq. And then Sadiq just said, screw it, this is my time to shine. And ISO'd from the corner. He got fouled and went on to miss both free throws. That's karma. That, they deserve to get two missed free throws for that. You can't play that kind of way. There is a dude who scored 10 straight points. You see the kind of burner he's on. There is no way on living hell on any basketball court on earth, any pickup game, college basketball game, high school game, NBA game, European game, there's no way in hell that dude doesn't touch the ball. Or at least you're creating something using his his hot streak to create something for you. There's no way. There's, there's zero way you do that. So that's what happens the immediate next possession. Then the next possession after that is a Kay Cunningham drive. He gets blocked by Clint Capella. Now the Pistons are down by five points. Then they foul DeJounte Murray. They're down by six points. And guess what happens? Oh, I, uh, Boyan. Oh, hey, Boyan. I forgot you were on the team. Can you come shoot a three for us real quick? Five seconds after that, guess who hits a three? Oh, Boyan. We forgot he was on the team. He just scored 10 points in, in, in a matter of two minutes. That's a few minutes ago. Here you go. Can you hit this three real quick? Oh, we make it a three-point game. I, I, I can't believe that this dude was not given the ball. I can't believe they didn't go out of their way to draw up something to continue to go to Boyan after the hot streak that he was on. That that right there is critical mistake number one. And I just, I, that, that right there falls on coaching and the players on the court. There, Sadiq taking that ISO from the corner was – it's just some of the it, – it, it, it lacks such IQ to do something like that. that. Like in that moment, it lacks such IQ – for you to know that there's a guy scoring that has scored 10 straight for you, and you decide that off a kickout, you should isolate from the corner. 
where you only have one direction to go. It, that it's so frustrating to see that in a, in a game that you could have won. It was a one point game in a game that you could have won and then missed both free throws that can't win with that. Can't, can't win with that right there. The second major mistake that was made. And this one was by Dwayne Casey himself. And I think Dwayne Casey has to wear a good share of the blame for this loss here. He closed this game with Corey Joseph. He closed this game with Corey Joseph versus DeJounte Murray and Trey Young in the backcourt. So he is guarding an all-star guard when your best perimeter defender in Killian Hayes, who had his best game of the season and was playing his best basketball in that fourth quarter in the end of the third quarter, you don't reward him with extra minutes. You go back to Kojo, which I don't get how that makes sense. You don't reward him. You take away minutes where he plays like trash, sure. That makes sense. But then when he plays well, you don't reward him with minutes. Nonetheless, you close with Kojo against two all-star guards. And then on the final possession of the game, that's what they did. Oh, Trey Young, you have Corey Joseph on you? Go, go, go attack Corey Joseph. Immediate two free throws. And not, maybe not even Killian. Why about Isaiah Livers? Oh, actually, you know what? With a minute left, about probably about four and a half minutes too damn late, Isaiah Livers gets subbed in for Corey Joseph. Well, the damage has already been done now. Trey Young just hit two free throws. Now they're up by three. So it's... <sighs> that that kind of stuff just frustrates me so much. You put your... You, your players put your, themselves in a position to win a game. You've put yourself in a position to win the game. And it's not missed shots that lose you the game. It's not the other team just simply outplaying you, winning the game and down the stretch. This is just horrific decision-making from the top down that threw away this game. It's pitiful. That was just pitiful to see. It's frustrating because the Pistons could have won this game. They should have won this game. They were playing really well tonight. They should have won this game. But the final two minutes of this game, it was just, it was horrific decision, or the last minute and 15 of this game was just horrific decision after horrific decision after horrific decision from the top down. And you, and you can't you can't have that. You can't have that against a team like the Hawks, or you'll lose. And that's what they did tonight. So let me know what you guys think about that, how they closed this game, some of the decisions, some of the things that happened at the end of this game. Let me know what you guys think about that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Cooper Hill. When we come back, Kay Cunningham had a really nice bounce back game, by far his best game of the season. He had 22 points in the first half. We'll talk about what led to him having such a great first half and why he started to slow down a little bit in the second half. We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Price Picks. So let me go ahead and just give you guys a quick example. Let's say tonight the Detroit Lions were playing and the Detroit Pistons were playing. And I wanted to take the over. I wanted to, t- I wanted to place an entry. And I want to take the over on Jared Goff's passing yards. I want to take the over on DeAndre Swift's rushing yards. And I also want to take the over on Kay Cunningham's scoring or points per game. And I also want to take the over, and let's say, just let's do a random one. Let's take the over on Isaiah Stewart, three-point made. You can do that at Price Picks. You can do cross-sports entries with Price Picks, and that's what makes them my favorite sports betting to go to. How does it work? You pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Price Picks projection is what you're taking the chance on. You can win up to 10 times your money on any single entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projected numbers. PriceMix offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, 
men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and plenty other sports. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PriceFix app or go to pricefix.com to sign up and play your daily fantasy sports today. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PriceFix will give you $100. If you if you deposit $50, PriceFix will give you $50. You understand? Don't forget to enter promo code locked on to get that kind of deal to sign up and get that instant deposit match up to $100. PriceFix is daily fantasy made easy. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So the loss sucked and how they closed the game sucked. But this was a fun game, and Kay Cunningham played extremely well in this first half of this game. He had 22 points in the first half, and – I think what really led to him playing so well in this first half, one, and something that we've kind of talked about a little bit with Jay and Ivy, is that Cade has – they need to figure out how to play together, him and Jay and Ivy. Because Cade right now is playing more off-ball than he did last year when Jay and Ivy's on the floor, which obviously it's going to happen. And he's struggling to consistently hit his outside shot, which is what he's going to have to do for the majority of the time he's off-ball. So that's why he's struggling with that. In this past game against the Atlanta Hawks, he monopolized the ball, and he was in control of everything. You could immediately tell that he was at his most comfort in this game, operating everything. So I think this should sort of be like a little outlook outlook to the future for Dwayne Casey that he needs to st- probably stagger Kay Cunningham and Jaden Ivey um, and give them both their own time to um, monopolize the ball and, and really dominate the ball within their stretches. So I think you might be seeing that moving forward a little bit more once Ivy gets back from his sickness, I don't know how long he's going to be out. I don't know if he'll play next game or not, but um, non-COVID illness. He, he was just regularly sick. It's nothing too serious, but um, either way, Cade had the ball in his hands the entire first half. He felt or looked so much more comfortable. That's one. Two, you guys remember in the last podcast, I ranted for about 20 minutes talking about Stu needs to set better screens and he actually needs to touch people on his screens. Now, was he perfect tonight in it? No, I think in the second half, he started lazy off. But in the first half, he was making contact consistently with his screens for Kay Cunningham. And Cade, instead of having to ISO against DeJounte Murray, who's one of the best, if not the best perimeter guard or perimeter defensive guard in the entire NBA, instead of having to go against him every single possession, he was getting picked off by Isaiah Stewart. And Cade was walking into open space, being able to figure out what he wants to do. And be he was just a lot more... He was freed up more by Isaiah Stewart with his screens against the team with DeJounte Murray. So that helped him tremendously. Not only Isaiah Stewart, but Jalen Duran was doing it. I even saw Boyan set a few good screens for Cade. So I think that needs to be, seriously, a point of emphasis for the Detroit Pistons when they go to practice, when they look at film. The coaching staff needs to be forcing this. Like, you have to make contact. You have to make contact on your screens. You just have to. If you're not... It, you might as well not even be setting screens. It, it, there's no purpose of it unless they're hedging and you're slipping, but no team's hedging the Pistons right now. They're not doing that. So you need to make contact 
make contact with your screens, please. And they were doing that in the first half, and Cade was really playing well from it. The other thing that I think Cade was really doing well in this first half, and it's another thing that we've talked about on the podcast many, many times, he only had one three in that first half. Everything he was getting was at the rim, at the rim, at the rim. He was using his strength over and over and over again. There was a few times he straight up just bullied people, DeAndre Hunter, DeJounte Murray, a center, straight up out the way and finished around the rim. He was getting to the rim, getting to his mid-range spot, balancing it all out instead of just relying so much on three-point attempts like the beginning of last year. Instead of taking so many threes, he was balancing his game out. He played like a three-level scorer. He hit an opening three. He was getting to the mid-range. He was getting to the basket consistently, and he was drawing some fouls. He got four free throws. So I thought that's really what translated to Kate playing really well in that first half, and that's Kate's key to success for his career. He's not going to be a guy that gets up eight, nine threes a game and is shooting 40%, I don't think. I don't think that's what Kate's going to be. He's going to be a guy that can score from the mid-range. He can score from the post. He can score at the rim. He needs to draw free throws. And then he can also hit the pull-up three. And that's what he was doing tonight. In that first half, he was balancing everything out and getting to his spots. He wasn't letting the defense dictate what he does. Remember on the last podcast, I said, or two podcasts ago, I told you guys that defenses were telling Cade what to do and he was taking it. They were telling him, hey, take these pull-up long twos. Take all these long twos. Take all these pull-up threes. And he was just taking it. He was, he was falling into the trap. Tonight, he didn't do what the defense wanted him to do. He was forcing the defense to react to him. And that's what really set his game apart in this first half. Now, I think what really slowed him down in the second half was two things. One, he was at 30 minutes at the end of the third quarter. Now, getting to 37 minutes shouldn't tire him out like that if it's more balanced out throughout the game, I feel like. If, if he gets to 37 more balanced out, then I think he would have been fine. But playing 30 minutes through what? He played 30 of the first 36 minutes. So that he was he was damn tired. That's first. I think that's what really had a lot to do with it. And then second, once he came back in that final for his final stint in the fourth quarter, there was no more hard screens being set. There, it, he and it wasn't even like they were trying to set him up. And, and they, oh, I forgot about this. They also were trying to get Kate some nice mismatches in the first half, which I really liked. We said that on the last podcast. We wanted to see Cade get some favorable matchups instead of just having to go against the best perimeter guy all the time. They did that in the first half. In that fourth quarter, it was not happening. He Every single possession was against DeJounte Murray, and DeJounte Murray, like I said, is probably the best defensive guard in the entire NBA. He might be there. So it, I think that really contributed to his, his, his inefficient second half. But in totality, I think this was a really good game for Cade. 26, 8, and 6. He's had 11 of 25 from the field. You'd like him to be a, more efficient in this game. Um, that's something he's going to continue to work on. He also had seven turnovers within this game, and that's way, way too many. Um, and that kind of is what happens when you end up monopolizing the ball as much as he was doing tonight. Um, you want to see him limit the turnovers. But overall, I think we all liked what we saw from K tonight. Want to see it happen consistently throughout the whole game. But hopefully – when Jane Ivey returns or maybe when Dwayne Casey or if Killian Hayes can try to earn some damn trust with Dwayne Casey and start to perform better in hope. And he played really well tonight. I thought Killian had by far his best game and best stretch of the game or of the season tonight. So hopefully this is, he's coming along because Kate needs someone else to take some of the pressure off him. And nights when Jane Ivey is out or not feeling it, Killian needs to step up and nights where Killian isn't having it. Jane Ivey obviously needs to be there. There needs to be guys that can take some of this pressure off of Cade to where he's not having to monopolize it this damn much. But overall, 
I like the game that we got from K tonight. Wanted him to be a little bit more efficient in the second half, but it was just wearing him down throughout the game, how much he had to do. And having him just go against ISO, DeJounte Murray was really dumb to do in the fourth quarter. You really need to put emphasis on Stu consistently setting screens because it really fell off in the second half. He needs to consistently set hard screens and make contact, especially with great defenders, so K can actually make the big guy who's in drop or switching choose between him and the roller. If you don't do it, you're not making the big guy really move at all. So I loved what I saw from Cade, though. So hopefully this is a a turn of the season for him. Five games into the season, maybe Cade can take this and he rolls into the next game against the Atlanta Hawks on Friday and plays well again. So hope that's the case. And I hope Dwayne Casey staggers him and Jay and Ivy so they both get times to monopolize the ball. I think that's something that has to happen uh, if you're going to have these two guys be your dynamic duo of the future. I don't think they're just as seamless as a fit as like Steph and Clay are. They need to be staggered to where they both have their own time. And I hope uh, what Casey saw tonight shows him that he needs to do that a little bit more moving forward. Um, When we come back, we'll talk about some of the other players, discuss some of their individual performances when we come back. But first, you guys got here with some of our lovely sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So we already talked about Boyan. Boyan is like the best player in the entire NBA, apparently. I didn't know this. I don't know if you knew this. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know I don't know if anybody knew this, but Boyan is the greatest player in NBA history. I I. I told y'all, I told y'all Boyan was good, but my God, I did not think he was going to be this damn good for the Pistons this early. He's been fantastic. And it's gotten to a point where I don't know what the hell the Pistons would look like and where they would be at if they did not make that trade for Boyan. If they didn't make that trade for Boyan, I have no clue what the hell would be this team would be looking like. Like, for real. He's been an absolute savior. The team shot 44% from deep tonight. Boyan took up six of those made attempts. 12 of the attempts taken if you take away Boyan's six make threes they only made eight and if you take away 12 attempts they only got 20 up so not a bad percentage still but Boyan's definitely making a big difference in why this team is hovering around middle of the pack shooting wise so Boyan's been absolutely fantastic dude fantastic I couldn't ask him to be any better um, Isaiah Livers had a really nice game off the bench, played 24 minutes, four or seven from the field, four or six from deep. He had uh, 12 points, three assists, two rebounds, a block, and a steal. I, I, there's there's a conversation that I'm going to be having about Isaiah Livers with you guys around like the game 30 game mark. I'm gonna save it for there, but just know that Isaiah Livers I think should be closing some games for the Pistons. I think he he is a really good fit with this team and what he brings that not only does the bench unit need it, the starring unit needs it. Cade needs it. Ivy needs it. Killian needs it. Everybody needs Isaiah Livers on the floor because of how seamless of a fit he is and how just his understanding of the game of basketball. So I loved Isaiah Livers play tonight. I thought he played extremely well and he should have been, if it wasn't going to be Killian closing over Corey Joseph, Isaiah Livers should have been brought in way earlier for Corey Joseph. And I think the Pistons might be looking at this game as a win if they did that. Um, Sadiq Bay, me and Sadiq are going, like, I don't know. Plus minus is a 
game to game plus minus is definitely a wonky stat. You don't want to read everything into it. But sometimes it really does match the eye test. And Sadiq had 17 points tonight. But he was a team worst minus 11 on the floor. And it matched the eye test. I don't understand why he continues to pass up open threes. He like the team will get him open threes and he just sidesteps or travels or steps out of bounds trying to do something else. Just take the open three. Stop, stop sidestepping. Stop trying to be more than what is being asked of you. If you get an open three, a catch and a clean catch and shoot look, take the shot. Just take the shot. And he, I, I don't understand why that's such a struggle right now for him. Then you also have his defense, who that was. It, it, I actually think he had a nice, uh, he had a nice defensive stance. I believe John Collins towards the end of the fourth quarter. I thought he played really well on that. Uh, he used his all of his strength to stop John Collins. I thought that was nice. But overall, wasn't great from there. The thing with Sadiq is that. It, it, it's just something that he's been struggling for three years now. His decision-making just isn't there. For example, like if you're going to have the ball in your hands, like how Sadiq has him, has the ball in his hands, and how he he wants the ball in his hands, you can't end the game with zero assists. Like I understand he wants to be a scorer, and I understand he's just a, that's just who he is. He's more of a scorer than he's going to be anything else. That's just what he wants to be, and that's what he's going to be. But you can't, you can't have the ball in your hands like that and have zero assists. You can't. Because that, what that says is that you're forcing a lot of stuff, you're making some bad decisions, and you're not leveraging your scoring and the penetration you're getting into the lane to your advantage for your team. He's not doing that. So th- that's that's the thing with Sadiq is that, yes, he – so, like, if you just looked at the box score, you'd see 17 on 6 of 11 from the floor. And I do like the fact that he's getting to the free throw line. That was something we talked about a lot last year. He gets to the free throw line a lot lately, and he's realizing how to use his strength how to use his body to create foul calls. And he's really good at selling foul calls too. So he's getting really good at that. But if you're not going to make the right decision consistently, and really that foul decision at the end of the game, really just, that if you want to see one play, you're like, cool, I don't really see what you're talking about. Why are you saying this about Sadiq? He has 17 points. If you just want one play to show you, like that just is an example of everything I'm talking about in one, let's go look at the final play I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast where Boyan scored 10 straight points for the Pistons and Sadiq took it upon himself to ISO from the corner. That's just something you you have to be smarter there. You have to, it's not just there throughout the game. He has to make better decisions, but right there, you have to be smarter. You just, you just have to be smarter than that. And he should be, he should be smarter than that. So he shot well from the floor, six of 11, shot well from deep two of four, but he was a minus 11 on the floor. And I, I feel like that matched the eye test. He just needs to – He, I don't know if he's ever going to learn it because it's been something he's struggled with for three years, but he has to. He just simply has to make better decisions with the basketball. And if he did that, he would be such an infinitely better basketball player. If he simply just took the open threes when he was given when it was given to him instead of taking sidestep or travel or step out of bounds, if he just simply shot the ball, so much better player. If when he drove to the rim and he was able to use his strength to get to the rim and he brings two defenders in, if he simply made the easy kick out to whoever's guy is sagging in, infinitely better basketball player. Sadiq would be worth a, a hell of a – he would just be a hell of a player if he was able to do those small things. But the small thing is what he's consistently struggled with, and that's what I'm going to be talking with Sadiq about or talking about Sadiq on the podcast for the rest of the season. I'm not going to come on here and talk about anything else with him because that's the part, just like with Killian with 
I'm not going to congratulate Killian or talk highly of Killian until I see some improvement scoring-wise, shooting-wise, that kind of thing. Until I see that from Killian, it's the same thing with Sadiq. I need to see him become better with the ball in his hands decision-making-wise. Decision and that's what I'm going to be talking about all year. I'm not going to be talking about whether he can score 20 points on decent efficiency. Like, that's what I'm going to be talking about with him. And I need him to show me that he can be better with that. So that's who I wanted to focus on in this final segment. Because Sadiq has the makings of a really damn good player. But if he's not careful, if he's not careful, he's going to find himself just simply being a six-man kind of guy who comes in, doesn't look to pass, just comes in to score, and he plays that six-man role. Which, that role's perfectly fine. If that's the role he ends up accepting, he's cool with that. that that's perfectly fine, too. That's a great career. But I know a lot of you guys out there think that he has star written on him, that he has all-star written on him. And if he wants to get to that part, he has to get better in these areas. And that's the areas I'm going to focus on. Um, there's some quick takes to end the podcast. Jalen Duran is based, is close to impressing me more than Jane Ivy, And Jane Ivy himself have impressed me insanely. Like, Jalen Duran has been way better than I thought he ever could be. He's way, I thought the NBA would be way too fast for him as the youngest player in the NBA. It just hasn't been. And he's made really good play after really good play after really good play. And if you want me to be honest, we may be looking at him as the starting center sooner rather than later. Not next week or two weeks from now, three weeks from now. But I think the majority of us thought it would be after this season. It might be this season that he eventually ends up in the starting lineup. So Jalen Duren's been fantastic. I I saw on NBA.com the rookie ladder. They had him fourth ahead of Jane Ivey on the rookie ladder. He's been insanely impressive. He's going to need to get more and more minutes. I can't believe he's ready like or he's been ready like this so far this year as an 18-year-old, as the youngest player in the NBA. It's crazy. You don't see stuff like that. I need all of you guys to understand. You don't see stuff like that from youngest player in the NBA kind of stuff. Those guys usually look like deer in headlights. This is a rare exception, and the Pistons should be ecstatic that that they have one of those rare exceptions. Um, outside of that, I thought Killian had his best game of the year. I'm really mad that Dwayne Casey didn't reward him with how well he was playing in the second half. If you play like trash, you just have your minutes reduced. But just like when you play like trash and you get your minutes reduced, that the coach needs to have that tough love with you. One of the biggest things the coach needs to do is also have positive reinforcement. So when you are playing well, they tell you you're playing well and they reward you for playing well. And for Killing to play as well as he did in the second half, to not to get yanked out for Corey Joseph and close with Corey Joseph against an all-star backcourt is kind of mind-boggling to me. But I thought Killing played well in the second half tonight. And hopefully, once he saw that three go down, he played just more comfortable and he played way better after that. So hopefully he can turn this around. He finally got the monkey off his back of making a shot. <laughs> like, he finally got that off his back. Hopefully he can tra- trend this into, you know, having having some good games and, and stacking these together. So, And then Isaiah Stewart, um, not much there. He went 0-4 from deep tonight. I ain't got much there for you. You just keep shooting, I guess. That's 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 all I've got for you guys there. Um, but that's all I've got for you guys on today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. I want to thank you guys for making us your first listen of every single day. Hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. And make sure you're making your second listen of every single day, Lockdown Sports Today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, guys. Oh, real quickly, I love the jerseys. I thought the jerseys looked fantastic on the court. 
Can't wait to see the teal on Friday. I'm really excited for that. I think I might go to that game. I don't know yet. Piston tickets, I feel like, are just too expensive for what they are right now. So I might go and 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 spend the extra money, I feel like, but I'll let you guys know before then. But until the next podcast, I will see you guys later. Stay safe, everybody. Go Pistons, and peace out.